everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here, as always, with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, Nikki Kinzer. Hello. It is a fine, <laughs> fine podcast day it is. Uh, to be spending this time with you. It is delightful, as always. It is. It's a good day to podcast huh? with Dr. It's, Doug. It's a good day to <laughs> podcast with Dr. Doug. That's you right. know, I don't even know. That is a funny thing. Doug Her is with us. Hello, Doug Her. Hi. Hi. Look out. That was it. Look, Just hi. Look That's all. Look how handsome he is. <laughs> I. It is a really funny thing uh, because uh, I. I don't know. Like you. You were always. You know your full name to me. And then somebody uh-huh. in. A, I think it was a YouTube comment or something somewhere down the road started talking about you as Doctor Doug, and that totally stuck. And now whenever people comment about anything related to the show and your appearances on it over the years, you're Dr. Doug. Like, it's <laughs> like your your morning zoo radio name. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Now I've uh, arrived. We, good. <laughs> you <laughs> have arrived. You know, we've been talking about managing emotions with the uh, during the ADHD job hunt uh, last week. We are continuing that conversation this week. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is release. Connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if you want to join us for marathon back-to-back podcast live streams in real time and hear all of the mistakes and all of the fun between shows, all you have to do is visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast for just a few bucks a month. You can get all that and more, but mostly you get a well-deserved night of restful sleep knowing that you have supported the world of independent ADHD podcasting. Uh, we sure appreciate that you are helping put food on the tables of Nikki Kinzer and Pete Wright and our families. They thank you. It's for the children. Uh, truly, we are deeply appreciative of your participation in helping to grow and invest in this show. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. It's about the kids, kids. That's right. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about handling the emotions of the job hunt, continuing our conversation. And this is, I think it's, this is the harder side. This is is the harder stuff that we want to talk about. Uh, Many of the questions that have come in to us are not just about, hey, you know, I think I'd like to do something different. Can you help me figure out what my ideal path is with ADHD, something that's in alignment with who I am? It's actually, hey, you know, I just lost my job because I couldn't focus. I uh, was let go. My contract was not renewed. Um, Things are not good. And I'm attributing that experience to my relationship with my ADHD. I can't focus. I can't get things done on time. I'm really struggling with uh, my relationship to work. Where do you start that kind of conversation, Doug? I, I Honestly, you did a, a really good job. Uh, you're attributing it. Don't suffer from the illusion that everything you think is true, or even that you're getting accurate feedback on your situation. There's likely stuff around the edges that there's more that you can do than you realize. So yeah, starting from this place of feeling like there's always a subtext to that. If I feel like, oh, I lost my job because of my ADHD, which may or may not be true, right? It may be true. Um, 
it may be true that your ADHD has led to you being anxious, to you feeling badly about yourself. It could be that it's led to social difficulties, all of which are kind of more than just the ADHD and can be shifted. So there might be a number of realms where, you know, you can, you can make a difference there. It's very likely, if not inevitable, that there are better ways you could learn to manage yourself. Everything that I'm sharing with people today is going to be true for everyone on this planet. It might be more true uh, for ADHD. And, and I want to I want to say because this is something that I that I know what people are saying as you speak, which is, um, yeah, but yeah, but I've tried this, I've tried that, I can't stick to things, uh, and and I just want to say for those who aren't caught up, you are somebody who also has been living with ADHD for your life. You have an intimate experience with it, and so the things that you are talking about here uh, are not only professional but deeply personal. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, and you know, if people want to listen to last week when you talked about rejection sensitivity. Yes. Oh my God. You know, I can't tell you how on the nose that is for me. Just devastatingly true. And that showed up in a lot of aspects of my own career path. So let me, let me start again this week by saying, you know, this is not treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, it, you know, it's, it's important if you need, uh, clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist that that is something like if if you're really if you're losing work because of ADD then you probably do need to really think about those possibilities i know some people are very against medication um i'm very ambivalent about medication uh, i have a 7 year old he's probably got ADD um he's ad advancing really quickly which is wonderful because he's very bright. He's probably also one of the biggest, you know, troublemakers in his classroom. Mm -hmm. So, and when I say that, I think he's very lovable, which is a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm like, I hope he remains, you know, most as lovable as he is. And we can reduce how annoying some of his behavior is getting because he doesn't know how to sit still, stay in his seat or keep out of other people's space a lot. Um, he says good weeks and bad weeks. So I'm really thinking about this medication issue in a very serious way. Um, because yeah, I want to avoid it if I can. But I also know that sometimes if we avoid medication, we're really avoiding, um, uh, you know, something potentially incredibly helpful. And so it's just, uh, you know, Western medicine can be like a hammer and hit really hard and have some really traumatic side effects too. Sometimes a hammer is exactly what you need. Um, so anyway, there's a lot about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, coming from this place that you, you know, how you teed up, how you teed this up, whether or not you lost your job or you imagine you lost your job because of ADHD, if you're looking for a job and you don't have one and you're struggling with ADHD. Um, either way, that's really challenging because mm -hmm. you can also imagine yourself. I'm not really that capable. Like, there, you know, what can't I do because of ADHD? Um, all these kinds of questions. I, though, though, I mean, I, I, you, you 
put those on on a uh, you know sort of the same level in that last statement and i'm i would just ask don't you feel like that experience of what can't i do because of adhd isn't that exacerbated by uh being fired and attributing that to your adhd or maybe in some cases we get folks who come in and they're like i was fired because of adhd and not only that like i i have uh, sort of evidence i can give you evidence that this is that i was not brought back because of the way I handle these jo- these you know tasks. Yeah, very fair. And and I didn't mean to to say it's on the same level, but I mm-hmm. will say for me, I don't think I've ever been fired because of ADHD, but it's still been really devastating and difficult to try and seek employment, especially being unemployed. Yeah. Um fair. with ADHD. So I, I don't want that people in that quarter category to, to feel like they're being taken less seriously either. Yeah. Um okay. It's just emotionally challenging. And, you know, the truth is a- anyone can get fired. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did so, I say that too quickly? <laughs> <laughs> well, my one of my mentors and, and my uh, a current, um, I, I guess he's the boss man kind of, but in, in one of the projects that I'm involved in, uh, every time he had a child, every time his wife had a child, uh, you know, he got fired from his job and they had, I think, three children and decided not to have any more because at that point he liked his job. And <laughs> that's awesome. Don't yeah. want to risk that. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, but it can feel really overwhelming and, and very negative. And this is a problem. Like, um, you know, for people to consider, am I getting the medical support I need? And am I getting, the emotional and mental support I need. Because what we really need to move forward in life is a positive mindset. I uh, am fond of saying the the mind does not focus on the inverse of a negative. Um, So if you're starting out with, you know, I'm terrible, I'm going to try not to be terrible, right? Uh, This is a terrible place to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, Never tell a race car driver, don't look at the wall. Right, right, right. You've you've just put the wrong thing in his head, and and you know to start out with, well, I'm job hunting and I'm ADD is probably not the right, unless you see ADD as a combination of weaknesses and strengths. Then you can say, how do I capitalize on the strengths of ADD? You know, if I just got fired, if I attribute that to the ADD and that defines me, then I'm kind of screwed. You know, if a situation doesn't work, it's not just me and it's not just my ADHD. It's it's my ADHD and me in this situation didn't work. That's true. Mm-hmm. Everything derivative about that, like if we want to blame it all on my ADHD, that's probably not quite right. If I want to blame it all on me, that's probably not quite right. If if I want to say, you know, me in this context didn't work, um, you know, it could be that you're in a context in a job that really could work for you if there were different people involved. Right. If you had a manager who liked you or who you liked or something like that, there's a lot of variables there and not assigning something that's true about you and unchangeable about you. Like you're, you know, you're not going to have tomorrow wake up and not have ADHD. Um, and, and if you, so if you put everything in that way and think that defines the situation, then you're just, first of all, it's not true. Right. It might seem true, 
but there's always more to it than that. It might be 95% true. And what I want to suggest is we got to work on that 5% because that's your leverage point. Um, so we were talking during the. I, I want to, I just, I've been letting you kind of finish that whole thought because it hit me uh, pretty hard. It's this whole idea that the, the tapestry of why you're not in a job right now or why you were let go from another job and you haven't found the right fit or why you're in this place of darkness is more complex than you are likely given it credit given giving it credit for and the the number of times that we have folks write in with questions that are implicitly attributing ADHD as the sole sort of reason, if only I didn't have, and I know I do this, like if, if only my brain wasn't fireworks right now, I would be able to, to finish XYZ, or I would have made this client deadline, or I would have whatever, is I, I'm really reflecting on that because um, I, there's a lot of truth to, to just stepping back and saying this tapestry, this sort of quilt of of reasons and functions and contexts is just much more complex than I am giving it credit for right now. And it's it, the ADHD might have something to do with it, but also, uh, you know, my diet and my sleep. And also maybe the thing that I'm having to do is new or hard or whatever, and it's causing me challenges. And maybe the client is being a jerk today. I don't know. But the tapestry is complicated. Or maybe the client just reminds me that the client reminds me of my little sister and my little sister was so creepy to me, you know, and always blame me for everything. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is, that's, that can be in the background of the mind and you not you don't even realize why you're so annoyed and everything's so hard. There's always more complexity to it. And in that complexity, there's room for something positive to happen. Yes. Yeah. I, that, that is a little bit, uh, that, that's just one of those things I need to let sink in because you could take the same person who's frustrated with a job and they think it's because they're in absolutely the wrong field. And at the end of the day, if you were to swap out two or three people in the same office that they're working with, suddenly the job is a dream job. Bingo. What I see so often is clients coming and saying, okay, I'm, I'm on the brink of losing my job. Like I'm really close to losing my job um, or I have lost my job and they take the whole blame on themselves. In fact, it's not blaming ADHD at all. They think that everything is their fault and they did everything wrong. And, but you mentioned that total insanity. Yeah. Like it's total not, insanity. that's not the case either. So yeah. no. Right. Absolutely not true. I guarantee it. Here's the thing. 85% of Americans wish they worked somewhere else. Wow. That's a high percentage. So, yeah. 85% of Americans aren't living with ADHD right now. Correct. Right. There. So in other words, <laughs> the, the, if we look at the systems that we've created for employment, there's a huge problem. Right. It's not just an ADHD problem. I, I want people to feel a little bit of relief about that. Yeah. No, it's, it's a not really just good you. point. That's a really good point. And so no one out there is perfect. So if you're ADHD, welcome to the club of being human. You're not perfect. Next, right? We're all not perfect. Everybody yeah. has gifts and everybody has limitations. And the more that we can leverage our gifts into a, a network of relationships to where they're valuable and our ADHD doesn't negate the value of them, um, then we're contributing. Wow. That that gets to uh, a, a kind of an amazing 
another one of those amazing little realizations. If you're struggling, if you if you're living with ADHD and you are, uh, as many of us struggle with, uh, you know, attributing, misattributing, whatever ADHD to where you are right now, like some of that, just being awakened to that, can go a long way in alleviate at least beginning to alleviate some of the pressure and stress that not having a job can apply to getting a job. Uh, you know, I know I deal with this too, again, in fireworks mode, when I'm, I'm trying to go after something that I don't have, go after a job or a new client or a project, not having it or going into a competitive space where I have to interview or present work, um, that, that can be debilitating to actually going after the new job, right? And, and it's so much easier to just sit down and eat a box of ding-dongs and keep playing Jedi Fallen Order. So if you believe that you're inadequate, that's, a, that's an unfortunate place to start from. Yeah. You, you need to recognize that you have something to offer. And there's a lot of ADHD people out there who have something to offer and are killing it. So there's potential for you to be just like them. <laughs> yes, can I just say out loud again? There are a lot of people out there with ADHD who are killing it. You could be one of them. I think yeah. I exploded at that. I like full-on emoji exploded at that because sometimes I find I have the wrong role models. <laughs> and I think others relate to me that we are looking at people who are struggling with ADHD and looking at their struggle as a, a, a model of future behavior. And in fact, there are people out there who are uh, who have figured out those accommodations and they have well, Pete, actually I figured have, out how to be successful. I would have to call you out on that because I would say that you're one of the role models that people are looking to and looking for inspiration from, especially with this podcast. Well, I hope so. Yeah, I, I yeah. hope so because I work really hard at yeah. it. Like I work and it really shows. hard. I at think it. you do well, a great job. I, mm-hmm. There's always room, is I guess what I'm saying. There's always room for for change and evolution. So anyhow, that I just I, love that, yeah. and I want I want people to say that. Uh, and I want to say that yes, there's room for change and evolution, and it can and it can come from a place of of understanding what's valuable and wonderful about you and the particular genetic package you have mm-hmm. that might include ADHD, you know? Right. Um, with Without that genetic package that includes ADHD, you'd be missing out on a lot of amazing, cool things that are Pete. Right? Oh, you were talking about me. I thought you were speaking about <laughs> Capital Royal you, and oh, now no, I'm like, oh. about you. <laughs> wow. No, too, whoa. Just messing with you, brother. <laughs> no, but it's true, right? And, and, and you know, I hope that everyone else, you know, who, who can identify with that. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to identify with that. Yeah. Uh, because I, I can live within the, the difficulty of, you know, I have an amazing career right now, but if I can't find my keys in the morning so I can get to the office, I'm going to be feeling like a, a real mess up and the day hasn't even begun yet, you know? And it's important to get out of some of the smallness of the struggles. There are big struggles too. Um, but, you know, ADHD can hit you at every level. Um, and, and, 
that can be a mental rehearsal that we need to transcend. Something that I've noticed about you just in the last hour and a half that we've been talking is that I get a sense of of acceptance from you, you know, when it comes to your ADHD, that it's not just the ADHD, that you are looking at yourself and your whole career as a, as a whole person, just like you would look at a, a client that way. And even when, and not everybody saw this, but when we went on a little break, you came back and you were like, yep, locked myself out of the office, but good thing. Oh yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> I locked myself out of the office, but I have a key to get myself back in. Like you kind of just knew that you know, that might happen. You had it, have it prepared. The, the key is hidden yeah, somewhere because, but, you know, it's not like you had a key in your pocket. No, like that's, no. Oh, no. Yeah. But because I, yeah. then it would be at home in the laundry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is definitely a level of like, I just, I, I think that that in itself is a role model for people is to see that, okay, yeah, this, this stuff mm. can happen, but it doesn't have to ruin your day. It doesn't have to, I don't have to go into this next oh, no. podcast feeling crappy because I locked myself out of the office. I mean, I mm-hmm. didn't get that from you yeah. at all. Okay. So anyone, you know, you, if you can refer people back to the, the, the talk we did on self-compassion, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's really foundational to what you just said, Nikki. And thank you for noticing that. And, and, you know, it's been a journey. I tell you, it, it, I did not start out this way. Um, I, I was talking in the last hour, I think about my, you know, being a Cornell engineer and, um, and because I didn't think I was smart enough to do something else, which is just a ridiculous statement. <laughs> being smart, being smart is not my problem. Like there was a lot of emotional immaturity that was, that I had to deal with, but I would look at my Cornell engineering degree and feel stupid hanging on the wall. This amazing, honest to God, I don't know how I ever got through it. It was so, it was hard and I really worked hard and I, but but I would look at it and feel stupid and incompetent. And I think that was because partly of depression, anxiety, and ADHD um, altogether. Um, but that, that, thankfully, that is a long time in the past. And a lot of this, you know, is about these positive practices um, and recognizing, you know, I am whole, perfect, and complete. And so is everyone that I work with. I'm complete in my incompleteness. I am not supposed to be everything. I'm supposed to be connected to other people who value me and value the contribution that I bring. And if, if I can do that with, you know, my caseload, which is, you know, you know, probably 20 or 30 people tops. If I'm seeing people, you know, a few times a month, um, that's all I need. I don't have to be everyone's cup of tea because mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, I mean, I'm shifting from being a psychologist to a coach because at some level, uh, as a, as a coach, I get to see people the way I want to, which is whole, perfect and complete. And as a psychologist, if I'm working with somebody who's in a really devastating spot and, uh, you know, I don't want to miss something like, you know, I, I mean, I even, but it's like if someone's suicidal and I'm trying to be really positive with them. You know, that might not be the best fit. They might need a different kind of support. And I want them to go find that somewhere else. Right. Um, because, you know, that's really important and valid and, and not what I'm good at anymore. Um, I was good at that 20 years ago and now I'm in a different place. Um, 
anyway, so I I think all of that kind of gets back to this the the central question before we got on our little digression, which is on self management yeah. that you were gonna you were gonna take us down a new yes. path. So so start out with attitude. Remember that you are the grateful recipient of life's unfairness. Okay. <laughs> It's going to continue to be unfair. <laughs> Being the greatest. Yes. <laughs> doesn't matter. And you know, I've I just have to say this. It, it, it's so true, though, because it doesn't matter what system you have in place, what your meal plan looks like, what your exercise routine mm-hmm. is. I mean, life is always going to be unfair at, at some point. Sometimes it's going to be great and sometimes it'll be in your favor, but it will be unfair. I think that that's a really fair statement to just be realistic about. And that there's a lot of blessing in that. You, right. Absolutely. Um, I agree. You know, there's there's a lot of fortune in that. Um, so that we get to struggle with these questions is in itself, in, in some ways, just a really good thing. So, uh, you know, we were talking about a variety of things. Um, I want to say to support yourself, self-management. Um, absolutely. And this is going to sound probably like a bunch of burdens, but uh, you need to pay attention to your experience and figure out which one is supportive of you or which two or three or four. They're all important. We know this from research. Um, relationships are incredibly important. Feeling uh, cared about, accepted, loved. If you don't have good enough relationships, the first thing you do is uh, you know, get, get support. It, whether it's uh, a therapist, a coach, a support group, Everybody needs relationships. That is primary. Um, good food, meditation, medication, exercise, sleep, all of these things are going to help your brain work better. Uh, being in nature, having regular stress reduction, all of this. And I, you know, there's not time to go into all of that, but all of these things matter. And what you need to do is be attentive to your own experience. And probably partner with someone who can help you with that journey. You know, in terms of self-management, just realize there's a backdrop of all of that. You want to create as much positivity as possible to carry you through difficult times. So when I was job hunting as an engineer and that, you know, referencing back, I could never really get a job because I didn't want one. (laughs) And everyone seemed to know that but me because anyway, but what I would do is I would always make sure that I had more than one possibility out there. If I was going to go into an interview, it felt like so much pressure. If that was the only interview I had and all my eggs were in one basket, um, I'd freeze up. So having an interview, but then also sending letters out to people down the road. So there's something out there in the future that I, you know, there's not, I'm not just running into this wall and there's nothing on the other side of it. That was really important for me. Um, another, another piece that I think I, I really want, there's two, two more pieces that I really want people to know about. One is called the Pomodoro method. Have, have you guys talked about that at all? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I swear, and this is important for work that you hate or, uh, getting started. Yeah. Getting started. Like I, you know, I, I was a year behind in paperwork at one point on, uh, during my graduate training. It was terrible. Um, and the paperwork was ridiculous and onerous, and I had all sorts of issues with it. But the bottom line is, I, I discovered the Pomodoro method on my own. I, I would work for five minutes, 
and I would relax for 10 minutes and leave the room. And then I'd work for another five minutes. And the key was to reward. This is what I think of as the Pomodoro method. You guys might have something different. I don't know, but it was really important. It was energy regulation. Okay. If my energy was completely freaked out, then I'm not going to do anything good. So the 10 minutes was how long it took me in the beginning to uh, give me five minutes of good productivity. And because I'm ADHD, I could die right in and go, you know, and be really fast and do it. But then I, I would also get myself completely worked up and overwhelmed with the sense of how much I had to do and just need to step back. And I gave myself permission to do that and it changed my life. It just, you know, and eventually I got to where I recognized this is energy regulation. If my energy starts to go off the chart, then I'm, I can't focus. If I can calm my energy down, and sometimes that means taking uh, three breaths, right? Where mm-hmm. the exhale is longer and every exhale gets longer. And it's not ever a strain. So that's some good yoga right there. You know, if three breaths, I realize I'm, I'm still too troubled to work, then I take three minutes. And by the way, this is not just an ADHD thing. Um, I teach this to doctors, right? Because anyone who's stressed needs this kind of uh, self-regulation awareness. You're regulating yourself. You're regulating your energy and your emotions. That is more fundamental than regulating your time. Paying attention to your experience and setting it up, you know, setting up your environment for success. So. Um, connecting with people who are going to be positive, encouraging, um, being able to, um, like for me, having a clear table that I can work on. Uh, you know, I, if I'm going to, you know, get everything else off the table, create a space, um, you know, there's no TV in it. Um, there's no distractions in it, um, et cetera. Maybe I just need to leave home and go to a coffee shop. It might be really distracting, but it's not my distraction. It makes me feel normal because all the noise around me is like all the noise in my brain. And you know, it's got to got to raise the level of white noise to to the point that your brain engages. Yeah, if that works for yeah. you, you know. So this is you know, people really need to pay attention. Don't think about how life should be. Notice how your life is. That's the starting point. This is I, I'm going to ask this question, and I think I think I'm going to ask it retroactively because I think you just answered it, but I'll let you reflect on it. And and it's actually I'm stealing it's one of Nikki's questions, and it's a brilliant one. Um, and it's related to the job hunt. Um, is there is there a period of time that you should stop and after you lose a job for whatever reason and wait before you t- find a new one? And uh, Nikki's words is it Are you taking time to mourn? How do you reflect on this mm. idea of mourning in the job hunt? That uh, seems like a particularly resonant word to me in this context. Yeah, it's really it can be really challenging because you're you know first of all our whole culture doesn't mourn effectively, mm-hmm. and mourning is I think one of the most fundamental skills you can have for spiritual transition, um, and. Uh, when you're mourning the death of someone, at least you have someone to eulogize. But if you're mourning the loss of a relationship or the loss of a job, you know, there's nobody to eulogize often. 
Mm-hmm. You know, instead you're beating yourself up, mm-hmm. which is terrible. Yeah. So there's two things. One is coming to grips with the reality of what's happening. And the next one is being able to really face the pain of it and just live through that. Just experience it. Don't try and run away from it, which is really tricky, but that's the whole nature of meditation and yoga. Um, the, the next one is adjusting to how things are different. You may or may not have time to mourn, depending on the tightness of your finances, but mourning allows you space for the, the fourth bit of work. These are all jobs, by the way. Yeah. Come to grips with the reality of what happened, not being in denial, but actually being able to see clearly. That's work. Feeling your way through the pain. That's work. Not believing all the thoughts that come up around the pain. That's work. Um, being able to see them, but recognize that's, you know, my thinking is there because it's a habit, not because it's true. Um, well, and putting all of this into into actual, like when you say work, I I really relate to that because it's this whole idea of going through a process with intention. And I think when we lose a job, it's so easy to get stuck in a place of 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 just, you know, inertia. Like, I just I'm going to let the feelings kind of be because I'm sad and because I'm hurt and because I'm angry and frustrated and lost. And it's not an intentional process. It's just. So do, yeah. So don't do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's I don't do that. There are going to be spaces where you do that, but then do something about it. Like uh, the best free therapy you can get is probably journaling. I like journaling with your actual hand as opposed to typing. I just think it's more embodied. Um, it could also be true that you are speaking with someone. Um, but yeah, processing through all of that is really important. If you don't have structure and you're like me, you're probably going to just waste a lot of time. So creating structures for yourself, like, you know, letting job hunting be your job. It's cliche, but it's just so true. It's the worst job you'll never get paid for, right? It's just bleh. <laughs> and yet, um, if we can turn that around to a place of opportunity, which is a lot easier if you're not terrified. Like one of the reasons I love being in my own business and having a bunch of clients is if I'm going to lose my job, I have to get fired about, you know, 20 or 30 times. Yes. I, I can get fired by someone that doesn't work out with and that's okay. As a matter of fact, it's good. I want them to go somewhere that it works out better. Um, and if I, uh, you know, if, if it's my employer and the situation changes and I've had that happen, you know, have a, a job that on one hand you love, but years later, you know, suddenly it's painful to be there. Boy, it's now you've got a big leap. Making sense of all that, I think getting support is so crucial. Um, and I've completely lost the ADHD thread of what was your original question? <laughs> <laughs> the morning. That was there it. Is. No, no, no. You got into it. It's this question I, morning. Yeah. Something I want to add, though, is that I will often, when clients go in to interview, that they're also interviewing the company, that it's important for them to see, is this going to be the right fit for them? And I think that's harder when you are coming from a place of being let go because there is that urgency of, I need a job and I need a job right now. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, as far as making sure it's a good, it is a good fit for both both parties. If you don't really think about this clearly, that's huge, Nikki, because if you don't think about this clearly, you can go out of the frying pan and into the fire, right? 
if if you gravitate to exactly the same situation you left, you might have exactly the same experience. Um, a, another way to think about it is desperation is the worst cologne. Um, so, you know, just feeling like, oh, I have to get a job. If if you're hungry and positive, that's one thing. But if you're hungry and scared, uh, you know, I think that's less attractive to potential employers. So managing your anxieties is your job, not their job. It, it's okay to have anxieties. It's okay to have fear. It's just really important that you remember you're bigger than the fear and the anxiety. So let me say Tonglen is a practice that some of your listeners, I'm sure, have heard of. It's, it's actually a practice for dying and to not be alone in your dying. But in this, it would be to not be alone in your grief. Whether you're feeling difficulties because of ADHD, because of unemployment, both, a variety of other things, what you're doing is paradoxical. Instead of trying to get uh, something good to change your life, you're actually imagining all the other people in the world who are in the same struggle that you're having and you breathe out, you exhale a blessing to them and you inhale their suffering. So you, you inhale your connection to them. We're all suffering. It's important to remember you're not alone, right? It's important to remember you have something to give. And so to see yourself you know, blessing everyone who's struggling with what you're struggling with, I think is it, it's a powerful practice. This is great stuff, Doug. Thank you so much. I feel like um, we we addressed, we certainly addressed everything we wanted to talk about around the emotional, uh, being the emotional sort of uh, finding an emotional center with how to go through the job hunt, no matter what the context is. And we talked about a lot more <laughs> than I ever expected we would get to. I feel like that should be a, a predictable course. I, I'm always afraid about us. all the things we didn't say. Yeah, right. right? Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So because there's is, so much about this. There is. There's so much. And as we, we all continue our journey, I'm sure we will have more to say on this. But but uh, uh, on behalf of all of us, listeners, community, and uh, Nikki and I, thank you so much for your time. As always, Dr. Doug. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be with you guys. Changetimeisnow.com. Before, oh, before I let Doug say it and pre-apologize for it, it is. Uh, it, that's where you can find out more about uh, Dr. Doug Hur if you're interested in talking more with him. And, and uh, I will be updating it soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show uh, this week. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Doug Hur and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>